you can actually hear like the resonance of the drums and like the picking of like the banjos and mandolins and shit. Great. Taylor Swift is all about fidelity, emotional and oral. Hello, comrades, and welcome to the 55-1 podcast. My name is Wes. I'm joined by Rodrigo, Corey, Mark. This is our first post-game special. Um, We're obviously not recording it immediately after because we're sober. Um, But uh, let's uh, let's, we're we're back together to talk about the game. It was the first game we uh, we watched together, I believe, where we all kind of sat in a corner of of Blackheart and. Rodrigo ordered the full bottle of Pisco and um, good decisions were made by everyone. But um, yeah, everyone, everyone's now recovered enough to do a podcast. It's solid, you know, three days later. So I, I hope we are. Um, before we get started, I wanted just to, to say it's a, it's a tough week for everyone. We delayed last week's a, a day and um it's just a weird, uh, difficult time to be in the Twin Cities. Um, I hope you uh, allow yourself a little bit of uh, distraction. I hope that this can provide a little bit of distraction. And um, we need a little bit of levity and talking shit. Um, but also, uh, we we know that this is, this is going to be a rough week for all of us to get through. So um, hopefully this is a good part of helping get through that. Um, or if not, you're just not going to listen to it because... You're not in the mood for soccer, which is also understandable. Um, let's do a little bit of a news roundup before we go uh, into the the big meat. Um, we'll start with some good, which I'm going to kick off with. Um, uh, Champions League is going. Champions League and Europa League are going to be different in a, in a few years. UEFA announced that they that they've got changes that rather than doing. Um, four team groups that you know the way that the world cup is done there's going to be 36 teams not 32 in a single table and they'll each play 10 games five home and five away from different teams and so the best eight teams will advance and then the next 16 teams will do home and away who to figure out who's going to be the other half of the eight in the round of 16 it's a you know it's, it's their attempt to basically try to um assuage some of the frustrations from the the bigger clubs with the the tournament you know some of it is is pretty much the same in that you'll you'll pretty much qualify the same way but there are a couple i think just one spot or two spots that are basically there to make sure if like you're real madrid and suddenly you had a bad year um and you finish fifth that you're still in the champions league or something like that which is kind of bullshit, but you know, at the same time, like, you know, it's not as bad as the bad, which, uh, I believe Corey, you're, you're going to give us the, the bad here. Yeah. So late Sunday night. Um, so over the weekend there were rumblings that we heard that, uh, 12 teams were going to announce that they were forming a European super league, um, that came to fruition, um, late Sunday and into today with a lot of details and basically um, 
there's 12 teams that are founding members right now. It's six in the prem. So Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Tottenham Hotspur, for some reason needs to feel included. And then uh, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and then AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juventus. Um, plus three other potential founding member clubs. What it's going to be, it's, it, they want it to be a 20-team a format with two tables of 10 teams that will play each other um, home and away. Um, and basically it's, 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 so this is it's, going to, it's not a yeah. replacement for the EPL, right? Arsenal no, are not so th- leaving this is, the EPL. This is, this is basically yep. like, like you alluded to, it's, it's, you know, talking about uh, trying to assuage the, 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 the big, the big, um, you know, wealthy teams for the um, champions league, uh, reformat. This is basically them saying, no, we want more control. Um, we want more control. We want more payout. Um, the the difference is this time is that those 12 or up to 15 founding clubs will be in this league in perpetuity. There is no relegation. There's no promotion. Those no other five spots or anything else. Yeah, exactly. No, no long division. Um, there will be, promotion or um, qualification for those other five spots that these up and coming teams would have the privilege to play with these, uh, these large teams. And um, basically JP Morgan is financing the whole thing at like four points on billion dollars. Each team's going to get like 350 mil um, to quote, like offset the financial burden of the pandemic. And this will allow these large clubs to, uh, you know, be much more sustainable. Um, and basically it's, it's, it's going to turn the entire international footballing world on their head. And it's, it's going to be messy. I think that it's a little bit more than just, um, a negotiating tactic by those big clubs, mostly the big owners. We should say this is that a lot of the managers and the teams and the staff have not, had 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 no idea that this was coming in any um, official capacity. It was mostly the owners. Um, even the board members of a lot of these teams didn't see a lot of this coming. Um, and I think it's a negotiating tactic, or at least it has always been a negotiating tactic by the domestic leagues, the big teams in the domestic leagues, to get a little bit more out of UEFA. And um, FIFA is already threatening, UEFA, UEFA and FIFA are already threatening to say that any players that are playing in this new tournament will be banned from the World Cup. Um, you know, potentially the teams that are in the semifinals for Europa League and, and um, the Champions League this year may be banned. Um, it's going to be a war or it'll just last for the rest of the week and they'll come to a decision and it'll be fine. But I, I liked that um, uh, president of Real Madrid, Florentino Perez, um, said that, you know, this is about, you know, the future of soccer because the, it's just been so poor, poorly managed and the money is just, they're just leaking money. And it's like, you are literally the problem. Like you, Real Madrid yeah. and Barcelona yeah. are two of the yeah. worst run clubs in the world, yeah. just hemorrhaging money. And, uh, and they've just like created this whole, whole problem. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 just and you know there there are all of a sudden there's a lot of 
people who have hot takes on Twitter about about this sport and they're saying, you know, um, well, of course, why wouldn't you just want to watch the heavy hitters go after each other all the time? Uh, see a Man United versus Real Madrid every week. And it's like, well, that's going to get old real quick. Part of the part of the reason that we like the Champions League and Europa League is the scarcity of those matchups. And yeah, we had we had uh, get- Matt Iglesias and Nate Silver taking um, time off of uh, just jerking off on Substack. Uh, the, the, to- I believe I believe they are the Messi and Ronaldo of mansplaining. <laughs> <laughs> of of not staying in your lane yeah yeah ultimately like you know we don't know what's going to happen there's not a ton of details it's literally being updated minute by minute so by the time you hear this there's going to be a bunch of new information so you know and i think one of the things that's really interesting about this is that what's kind of got everyone's like oh it's a greedy power play by the owners to like get you know the billions of dollars in tv rights whatever but it's also wage suppression is what it's going to end up being. Because in their statement, they said uh, it said that by forming this Super League, they'll bring, quote, sustainable financial foundation with all founding clubs signing up to a spending framework, which if you read between the lines is a salary cap, which is really what some of this goal, besides like hoarding you know TV rights and hoarding all of that money for them, it comes down to lowering salaries on players so that they can keep more money for themselves. Because like right now, if you look at the um, what percent of wages are for each club's total spending, for like reason of comparison, like uh, MLS, about 28% uh, back in 2007 is for uh, going to the wages. It's on their, um, the wages to turnover ratio is 28%. For the, um, in UEFA, it is 70%. So it's huge. Like they spent a ton on wages. And so this is kind of a ploy to have your cake and eat it too, where you can be the biggest, uh, you know, be one of the biggest teams in the world. But if you can cut down on your labor costs and cut down on your spending on salaries, you're just going to be hoarding all those uh, billions of dollars that are coming in the TV rights and everything for yourself. And that's really what this is all about. And it's bad. It's just bad. And just like anyone else has not been consulted, like like Corey was telling us that board members haven't been consulted. It's been an order decision. Also, a lot of these teams have um, women's teams, right? Um, and they were not even consulted. And with the trying to create a league and trying to promote the league that's happening in Europe, this this really puts everything in in you know much worse perspective. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, some people disagree. I mean, it disagree, but it's a leverage move. That's what it really is. Trying to get more out of UEFA, but at the same time, I, I also think that if it does happen, it it it'd be somewhat similar to what we see here with the NFL and and college college football in a sense, right? There will be two different leagues that people will watch. One, the real fancy one, and one where like it's all like, you know, you watch for the grittiness and you watch for for the for the fun of it. Let's uh, let's finish the 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 wrap up here. We're going to get to the Minnesota United stuff. We've got the the weird uh, parts of the the news, which is that Bob Bradley accidentally subbed off Carlos Vela in the LAFC opener against Austin. Oh, funny uh, FC in like the twenty second minute too. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, basically he thought Vela was injured. He, or, you know, Vela was like signaling, but they, he misread the signal. He thought like, oh shit, he's really re-injured himself. And so he pulled him off and then he apologized. You know, Bob Bradley apologized afterwards. I mean, it ended up that Opoku and Baird did quite a good job of uh, finishing off McConaughey FC. But um, <laughs> the the other the other weird is that uh, Inter-Miami, we were talking about this on last week's podcast, they needed to get rid of one of their DPs. We all knew that it was going to be Matias Pellegrini. Um, so they bought out his contract and didn't, they didn't like trade him to Colorado or something. They loaned him to their USL one side. So you know what that means? We're going to see him at, at Forward Madison is what we're going to do. We're going to see this $9 million player. Uh, at, at uh, playing against uh, getting manhandled Turbo. by Turbo take Tobin. Him out yep. Turbo's going to give Pellegrini like, how, like have, hey, have you ever torn your ACL before? Guess what? <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk Minnesota United. Five-one podcast, and let's do a little bit of um, of Minnesota United tapas news. Uh, they've got their home opener this weekend against Real Salt Lake. We'll talk about that a little bit. Seven p.m. Um, and then the the other bit is that the the roster compliance deadline happened on Friday. Um, Minnesota were expected to buy out Ike Opara's contract, and they didn't. Um, that was kind of what the indication was. Um, you know. Adrian Heath, uh, after the game uh, on Friday, said, um, I'll wait and see, quote, I'll wait and see when we get back, see how he is. And you know, at the moment, he's still on a roster. So hopefully we can get him fit and we can get him on the field, which would be nice for everybody. That tells me, like, literally nothing. Um, it just tells me, and and not that Heath needs to know anything at this point, right? Because he's, he's in the dark. He wants him to be fit, and he's not fit. And so it just tells me I, I, I don't think we're going to see Ike still this year, but hopefully we we could. Who knows? Yeah, so what's the, what's the over-under on who is more likely to return, Ike Opara or Chacon? Ooh. Ooh. That is a tough one. Um, That's a bold one. Ike. I, I, would, I would say Ike is more. I would say Ike too. The, 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 there's a greater chance of Ike coming back than Chacon? Mm-hmm. No. Tommy's coming back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, Mark I don't, it down. Do I don't we have a um, do back. we have a special document that puts uh, we should we, have we a special a, document where we keep you want track me to of put it on the board predict, predictions here? and bets that we've got going. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, it's I'll, all right here, and, and come November, we're all going to remember exactly where and what podcast we. Set I'll create a. I'll, I'll create a. I'll put a spreadsheet in the. Uh, Great, thanks. Yeah, it's like the time where, last year where I um, I bet that uh, with um our friend Colin Solberg, that um, Inter-Miami, um, well, we, we bet about Inter-Miami getting into the playoffs, and neither of us, I put it in my calendar, but I didn't put who had bet which one, and neither of us could remember. <laughs> we remembered arguing at the first game of the season at Blackheart about Inter-Miami, and I'm pretty sure I said Miami wouldn't get in, and he said they would, but we couldn't actually officially make that, so... Among the things that have been said and forgotten at that bar. Um, are you, <laughs> let's do some watch talk. Uh, we, we actually got some news on who knew watch. 
We do. It sounds like uh, he may be coming sooner rather than later. Um, basically, uh, for the first time ever, it was reported what his transfer fee would be, which is about 3 million euros, uh, $3.6 million for those doing the conversions. And um, yeah, there's conflicting reports. Like most people think they'll kind of have to wait until, you know, there's uh, his, his, there's five matches left remaining in the season. Uh, last match is on May 23rd, which still kind of finishes in time for the June 1st transfer window closing. But um, if he's not really being used, there's a chance he could come earlier. But um, we'll see. Um, yeah, so then we'd have Wonchope and Hunu, um, which is kind of... And then we've got... Do you think we'll see Agadello at all this season? I don't know. Um, what, a, yeah. what about uh, Marzipan watch? We got Fragapane. Fragapane. Um, there was, and again, there was um, one random uh, Argentinian journalist guy from a radio show that said that he is staying um, with his club. So I believe the exact Google translated quote was, uh, we'll stay with uh, his current club despite Minnesota's request. So whatever you want to take from that, if he's staying for the weekend or if he's staying for the rest of the season, who knows? But um, maybe maybe everything's gone to shit and he, we're not getting him. Who knows? Or maybe he's coming in like a week. I really like that in this week's notes, you went to the trouble of putting in uh, notes on how to pronounce club And I still just avoided saying it anyways. And, and names and <laughs> you just didn't say it at I, all. I fear I, the wrath of Rodrigo, honestly. Yeah. Oh, what what wrath? Well, I, just, I, I feel better because I don't have to cut entire sections of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Where you, like, I think we did, I did cut it from last week and it was, it was a painful. No, um, based so, on our Slack channels, like, conversations about the use of, like, um, Whatever over accents over I refuse to get involved. But I was like, I'm not. I'm not just. I'm just not going to speak on any of this. I'm just going to talk in pronouns and uh, talk about generalities about his club and whatnot, yeah. and um, and not, not say any names or any sort of like thing. And you you want to you want to go to to Royer Watch as well? Yeah, it's not. There's nothing linking Minnesota to um, Daniel Royer. But um, the Red Bulls are apparently shopping him around. Um, I mean, he seems like a great fit in that he's turning 31 this year. He plays on the left wing, really in our wheelhouse. Um, but honestly, like if, you know, uh, Fragapani doesn't work out and we actually have to like, we, we, we'll get to this, but we desperately need a starting left winger. And... Um, this weekend has demonstrated that. So you could do much worse than signing him. And so I think it's a decent option. And apparently he's being shopped around and that there is uh, an, some Western Conference team that's in, that is uh, looking into him. So we, uh, we, we could do worse and we probably will. Oh, yeah. Totally I, will. I want um, Fragapane to work out because um, I've said this before about Frankie Amaya, who ended up going to the Red Bulls, but Frankie Amaya. Um, his his name tracks perfectly to the the Avalanche's song Frank Sinatra, and so does uh, Fragapane. So you can go. Ah, uh, Fragapane. Yes, oh, Fragapane. 
Frankie boy, don't you know you got the perfect feet to score a goal? Anyway, go uh, everyone, go listen to that song. It's awesome. Zoom is that, Zoom is great for singing in unison, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah it's totally gonna be off. Yeah. Um, it's like a fucking Steve Reich piece. Oh Jesus, come on, nerd. <laughs> okay, um, are we ready to jump into the game, or do you want to take another break and take time to compose yourself? You ready? Um, Will I, we ever I, I got a hams. I'm ready to go. Okay, let's do it. Minnesota United. First game of the season, rematch, rematch of the semifinal. Final, Seattle, final. Seattle versus Minnesota Loons. Four uh, nothing, Seattle. <laughs> All right. Okay, so Minnesota come out with a lineup that um, surprised us. Um, you know, I don't think Lude playing a false nine was a complete surprise, but I at least thought that um, I thought that Ozzy would punch. Um, Adrian, if he wasn't allowed to start in Seattle, I was wrong. Maybe he did punch him, but he still did not get to start. Um, then we started with Hassani Dotson on the left, Robin Lewitt up top. Um, the rest of it was pretty, pretty predictable. Um, we did not have the opportunity to see Nico Hansen because he was injured, um, who I, I thought was, was the other likely candidate on the left. The game, first half, let's talk about that. It wasn't bad. No, I thought, oh. I, I I thought the the tempo was surprisingly brisk for Minnesota. We're always much slower in the first half, and we kind of sit back and kind of see how the um, how the match is going to work itself out. We took it to them. I mean, we we pressed really high, really aggressively. Um, we had some really great um, interplay. And we were we were knocking on their door, and we looked like the better team for that first half, for sure. It was it was, I think we were all kind of surprised when we were watching it together, and 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 just seeing like how aggressive they were being and how effective they were being at the high press. They kept Seattle pinned back. I mean, you you say that though, but I think Christian Fitchett, who who sent this tweet, um, had also a really good point because there are lots of games where we've seen this, which is. Minnesota, he says, we see this pattern with Minnesota United over and over. Good initial Minnesota United game plan. Uh, first half evenly matched, halftime, then the other team's capable coach adjusts. And I think that we have seen Minnesota come out, do this great high press, blah, blah, blah. And then it, it starts to fall apart. And we don't want to talk about the falling apart yet, but uh, we, we have seen that coming out. And then they just fail to really take advantage of it. And Maybe we'll talk about that with um, uh, we'll talk about um, Robin Lud played as a false nine. He hits the post once. He misses just wide. Was that was he just unlucky? Was this just like first game? It's they're not really going. Yes, yes. I mean I think it's, I think that's what you have to take in is like I mean I, the press. Was was creating pressure, um, and and it was we were the, the problem is we were we were able to finish our chances that we were being created at that point, and I think also uh, with having Dotson on the left, there there was no sinking into what was going to happen when we took over the ball. It was it was always swinging to the right, never really to the left, and even though when when Dotson had the ball and he. Play like a try to play one twos with uh, Chase 
or on that wing, there, there was never that one two. It was always just like a one pass. And then as he was making a run, there, there, there was no continuation pass. I think that's one of the things that 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 was troublesome. We were creating chances, but we, we weren't able to get clear opportunities. I think Lude did the best that he could, but he also wasn't being targeted by uh, by Reynoso. And and you have to give. Um, Seattle credit and how you know not only with their formation with their new formation but what that what that created for at midfield right um, it created the the aspect of like we we can we can plug up the middle and 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 be aggressive with the one playmaker that we need to be aggressive with and and somewhat you know somewhat contain them and 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 play play the counter and switch the ball attack and and try to see how how we can take advantage of of everyone being pushed up and just having two center backs in the back. So, well, and I think one thing too is that with our ability to do the high press and like really pressure the ball, is that um, Michael Boxel was fantastic. I mean, he was fantastic the whole match, but really in the first half, like the two big opportunities that uh, Seattle really had to score, um, Boxel shut down. Uh, th- there was one where Rodan just kind of lofted a long ball uh, that switched over uh, to Brune, and Boxel somehow backtracked all the way over to the right side or to the left side, his left side, covered for Coleman and shut it down. And then there was another time where um, Reynoso kind of turned over in the middle of the field, and all of a sudden Seattle had a four on two, and Boxel was able to kind of shepherd it out towards the right and then just put it out for a corner. So, like, the two kind of big scoring opportunities that Seattle did have. Box will shut down, and we can talk. We'll talk about this later. But like, it wasn't the same with our other center back later on when there were other scoring opportunities, and that's kind of what changed the tempo of the whole field of the game. The chances, the two chances I was describing with Lude, the the way that they happened. This is to go with what you were talking about, Rodrigo. Um, you had uh, Reynoso had moved out right, right, and I. Either Finley had moved central or to even to the left of um, Hassani, and I, I forgot to take a screen grab of that. Um, but regardless, like Reynoso had moved, and you, we saw this a lot last year, right? The, the rest of the midfield kind of shifts, and that stuff worked really well. And so what happened was then um, Lude made a great diagonal run, and the pass was perfect, and then he shot, and it just happened to hit the post. I think he had Stefan Fry. He had a good solid um, two feet uh, of space that he could have hit if, if he got it just right. Um, the other one came from from that high press. You know, they they caused Seattle to give up the ball. Lude gets the ball and he just uh, shoots and it just goes a few inches wide. I thought that those were really, really good chances. I, I, I don't really... Um, I don't really blame Lude for them. They weren't like golden opportunities. They were just really good, um, good chances that that we could have had, and that were part of that that offense that worked really well in the first half. Yeah, I just also like to point out that you know, just like Molino and and Reynoso took literally four or five games to finally figure out to play with each other. I think you know the window should be shorter with. With Lude, but I also see that there's that capability, specifically in that time where he was able to get that shot off after making that run, and it's up to Reynoso to to be able to identify and, and point it out, right? Point it out, make that run, do that thing, be the be the be the person that actually tells his players what to do, um, because that's he's the one that's going to be deciding 
where this space is going to be. And I, and I think one of my 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 pet peeves was just the fact that we would go out, and then when we go back in, we wouldn't look for a combination pass or a triangle area pass to to kind of go at the at the eighteen and try to kind of draw people out. Once again, we were we were going down the wings. And, and being predictable in a sense, right? Because we knew that Metinier was going to try to center the ball. And and we've known better that once we get the ball into um, in, into the box and we dribble it in, we become more of more of a dangerous and creating that chaos aspect of it, which which Finley tried, but I don't think he was successful because there weren't there there isn't that, you know, Finley hasn't played a lot with Reynoso in that position, right? We're looking, we're looking to figure out how that's gonna work out. Uh, and how that may play down the road, right? So let's talk about the big controversy in the first half. We had um, uh, on one end, we had the ball go up and hit two Seattle players in the arm. Uh, and neither of them. Ball. All the way. Neither of them was called a handball. Wasn't even VAR'd. Uh, and then, you know, uh, what, two minutes later? Five minutes later, yeah. but, you know, essentially two minutes later, Will Trapp had his hand also out, and it hit him at three inches further distance than the other one. And uh, and he gets a PK called. Um, Rui Diaz uh, steps up to take it, right? It was Rui Diaz, Diaz who did it? it I believe Rui it was Diaz. Rui Diaz Golden Boot Watch who stepped up to take it. Uh, yeah, yep, that's exactly. Sorry, I, I, always, I can't pronounce his name. I always forget the Golden... <laughs> Boot watch. Sorry, it's, it's the accent in boot watch. It's, it's the accent on the second O. Makes the boot. It's, it's, it's the umlaut and then the, the the thing that goes through the other O. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, and then uh, Dane St. Clair, um, you know, of instinct. Kid. Uh, Dane saves Which it we should that talk way. about that Dane St. Clair is still perfect on penalty kicks in MLS play. Yeah, man. Which is amazing. He's he's 3-0 with two saves. Little curly-haired Jesus is what, what I call him. Backstreet's back. That is literally what I yelled when he saved the PK. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? I was right I next did. To you. I yelled Backstreet's back. I, I think like we were all that, yelling that, something. That so um, it was a fantastic <laughs> save. Um, you know, it was not the greatest PK take, but it was still a really great save. And um, and yeah. that kept us, that kept the game uh, safe and, and with it. And so um, – we go into the first half. It's nil-nil. Minnesota is thinking, damn, we had a chance. Seattle's thinking, damn, we had a chance. Um, I'm thinking, that's a lot of Pisco. And um, and then we go to the second half. And it was only a quarter of a bottle, jeez. That bottle was full. That bottle it was, was not full. That bottle it was, was four-fifths full, buddy. Um, yeah, yeah was, and also when the narrow part is at the top, is doesn't count as far down as the wide part at the bottom, yeah. <laughs> as far as the volume goes. So, um, second half, what changed? What what happened? Did did we see uh, Minnesota United just totally um, come out there after a deflating Adrian Heath talk and um, and just fall apart? <laughs> a, a demotivational speech. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> He's um, like the 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 anti Jesse Marsh, the anti lasso. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a NIMBY. It was a NIMBY speech at a local uh, uh, city council meeting. That's yeah. pretty much what it was. Yeah, Adrian Heath. He's he's Todd Lasso. 
Yeah. <laughs> so what, what what did happen though? What what fell apart? Should we feel? How, how do you want to summarize the second half? I am. It's weird. I like after rewatching it yesterday. We were the better team through the 70th minute. Like we had the better chances. Uh, There's the Japalo goal, which was, I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful goal. And the fact that it came in the 49th minute was just a crusher because, I mean, on the lead up to that, there's a cross into, um, you know, our box um, on the six yard box. Will Trap heads it out and he puts it out about, you know, five, whatever, you know, outside of the penalty box, which all things considered, if you're getting it from the six yard box and you're putting it out towards the outside of the penalty box, mm-hmm. that's the best move to get it out if you're going to head it something out. And it just so happens that he had a banger of a shot. The way he sets himself the, up for the ball. He, too. he volleyed himself. Yeah. He volleyed himself, which I mean, self volation is very tricky to do. <laughs> So the fact that he could pull off self-volation is pretty <laughs> impressive. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think on the broadcast, they what, said that like uh, the expected goal on like rating on that was like 0.03. So he like yeah. really like a 3% chance of making that work. He yep. did. So, I mean, it was actually decent, good defending. You get out a ball out to a high percentage area where they're not going to score, which is what you should do. And he just hits a amazing shot that might be the goal of the year. And we're down nah. one nothing, which sucks. It'll- I mean, there, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing to stop that. I don't, and I don't think any of us have any real critiques on that particular goal. I mean, it was a set-piece goal, came off of a set-piece. We did the clearance. We did all the things right enough. And the chances of that going in were slim, but... Like, I can't fault him for taking that shot or for going in. And Dane St. Clair reacted about as quickly as he could, but he didn't know where that was going. No, and he was screened on the shot, too. Um, so, and two minutes later, we almost had a chance when a Reynoso free kick was almost headed in by um, Coleman. It was cleared off the line by um, one of the Roldans. I don't know. Softy Roldan, I believe, is, yeah. is his yeah, name. Yeah, that's the yeah, so, Softy Roldan. Um, Baby here's driver, the here's on. the two things two points I want to make about the what I noticed in the second half. The first is that almost all of their attacking chances came from diagonal passes to the opposite wings that caught our fullbacks completely unaware. And not even necessarily ye old like oh our fullbacks are too far in the attack. They, they were just like pinched in. They were just whatever it was. There was so much space, and they found a way to do that. We saw that happen a lot last year, but that was happening. We also saw in the semifinal, we talked about it on this podcast, Rui Diaz find himself found himself in that semifinal more than twice, but I think he scored at least once and had another chance on the second. He didn't score twice yep. in this. But on the corner kicks, he was basically at the the a little bit outside the corner of the six yard box. Um yeah. so kind of pulled away from the rest of the um the group and the ball would find his way there and he'd score. He, they did that exact same thing and had multiple chances in the first half. They had multiple chances and could have scored uh, two goals. And and that's, that to me is like both these things we observed in previous iterations of this team. We're still making those mistakes this year, which, you know, beginning of the season, but that's worrying. And I'm going to be watching for that against Real Salt Lake in, in case Freddie Juarez and his team, just 
you know, they've got a game plan. Just do that. And 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 a lot of those chances, like that, like you know, what was that was the far post, right? And that was, you know, Chase was over on that side, kind of guarding that post, guarding that you know zonal marking, whatever you want to call it. Um, the thing that I'm starting to see come up over and over again, and a lot of a lot of teams are starting to recognize it, and Seattle certainly is, you know, our left our left hand side, whether it's Chase's inexperience or his temper or his speed, whatever, whatever it is, um, they're targeting him. And whether or not he's having a great match, I think he did okay. Um, you can only be attacked so many times before you're gonna make a mistake. Um, at, at least with you know, at his age and his development and um, I mean, what it's his third year in, in the, in the squad. So it's like, he's not, he's not a young kid anymore, but, mm-hmm. um, that's something that I certainly noticed, um, both on set pieces and in the run of play. When you look at those goals where you have those cross cross field diagonals, they're coming over to the left side. And there, a lot of that space that opened up on some of these other goals that we'll talk about came from the left side. I think it's also Good to point out that you can only press for so long, mm-hmm. right? I mean, pressing is a is a high energy type of thing that you're asking your players to do, and if you're not able to take advantage of those chances, then then it then you you run into an early fatigue thing, and specifically when you're pressing, uh, which brings 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 back to the point of why didn't Ozzy start? If you're going to press like that and you're going to focus on providing that kind of pressure in some sort of sense, you want to have someone who is more of a six that sits in front of your center backs in case there's that quick counter to be able to either provide support or try to stop it. And Will Trap was caught going forward trying to be part of the attack more times than I like to see in that sense. And I think that is a formation discipline that wasn't really worked out in practice in a sense. And I think that's that's a fixable thing. You can fix that, right? If you are going to make Trap be your six, then you need to be able to tell him that this is how we want you to play in this scenario. And I think that's one of the things that perhaps they were trying to experiment with or figure it out. But a lot of that time, all that open space and those counters that they had and switching the ball over was because there was so much space in the middle to be able to try mm-hmm. to figure out what to create. And, you know, that's unfortunate. That's part of the game. When you gamble and you risk going full, you, when you're going to press like that, you're going to risk a counter, but you need to be able to have someone who sits there um, in addition to your fullbacks, in addition to your center backs. And I think, as to Mark pointed out, you know, Boxel saved two or three goals that literally would have made this even worse. And I think one of the things that also needs to be said is is, is we, we need to figure out what we're going to do with that left side at one point because we can't just always go on the right side and try to make something happen and force something to happen. You have to be able to rotate the ball around to the left and see if someone is willing to make those runs. Now, you also have to give it to Seattle for game planning that and understanding that that um, that that was the best way. I mean, there were some really great passes that Reynoso was doing. Uh, that was it that back heel or that 
chop pass that he had into the box that was just, you know, so sexy and after dark type of thing that it just was was wasted on. He's going to create those opportunities. We just need to be able to find find people to understand that they have to be able to take care of that space and move into that space when that happens. So let's talk about when they did make us pay. Um, Cause they, we had uh, much like the, um, the semifinal game, we had a, a pretty dramatic late game collapse. I think that we were a pretty good team in that second half. Um, and then they just found a way to, to really hit us with um, two goals where um, Coleman was, well, I'll, Mark, I'll let you talk about these, but you know, that first one was, um, it didn't make Coleman look good. Coleman often ends up falling yeah. in, in games. And this was a pretty dramatic one that it, it was some shades of, of Demidov yeah, against, looked, uh, against, uh, New England. No, Revolution, he just looked out of his league. Like just I don't, I don't say those words and like, so lightly. basically, I mean, there is a, a, not really a long ball, but sort of like a chip that was like kind of over like Coleman and like event, basically Bruin just was able to just like do a little spin turn and just Coleman fell on his ass. And um, basically, like, Boxel came over, tried to cover, and that just left uh, Rudy as wide open, and um, it was just an easy tap-in. And it's, all of a sudden, Seattle's up 2 nothing now after, you know, kind of dom- Minnesota dominating most of the play up until that point. And that's kind of when it just went off the rails for us. And then, like, three minutes later, um, there's a weird thing. And I also, like, it also comes down to that... It just doesn't seem that Coleman and Gasper can really play together well because it, I, as far as Gasper is not fast, and for how much he's asked to push up the field, he needs somebody partnered with him uh, at center back who is able to cover for him, and Coleman doesn't have the speed to do that, and it was just really obvious on this one where for some reason, uh. Gasper was up near like midfield, like literally towards the middle of the field. And Coleman's kind of forced to cover uh to cover Rudias on the right side. Rudias drops the ball back. Um Gasper steps up again and then leaves Coleman alone. Um and then eventually Montero gets the ball and just kind of lofts it right over Coleman. And all of a sudden, like both Rodan and Rudias are just sprinting past Coleman. Um yeah, and Roldan ends up getting the ball and then again sends in like a great pass right across the six yard box where Rudy has just puts it straight in the net for another easy tap in. And all of a sudden we're down three nothing and the match is pretty much lost. Yeah. There was another fourth goal that we we don't necessarily need to walk through. I want to ask a few more questions here. Um, first of all, um, let's talk about one chope. He came in in the 65th minute for Ethan Finley. Um, Then Robin Lutz moves to the right. We also then had um, Justin McMaster came in in the... He came in the 80... The 81st minute. And then we had Ozzy Alonso in the 79th and Yuko Reitala in the 79th. Um, Both uh, Wanchope and McMaster had shots on goal with their first touches as... Uh, you know, as loons. What did you make of Juan Chope? He's a he's a yeah. He's like a good Angelo dude. Rodriguez. He's got shades Maybe. of Angelo. I hope so, 
We don't know. I, yeah. I will. I I will say his his. Well, we don't know. We've only seen shot it for on twenty minutes, but it's just a ripped shot that went straight at Stephen Fry. I mean, it was right on target. It was a fairly easy save for Stephen Fry, but it's like, yeah, I want a guy who's going to take those shots. He's not going to settle the ball. He's just going to let it rip, um, and have it be on target. Like, look, he's he's not he's not fully match fit. I think if we can get thirty minutes out of him, sixty minutes out of him, a half maybe. Um, for the first couple of matches of the season, that'll be great. It'll be nice to have him there. Um, I kind of wish he would have come in a little bit earlier, but you know, yeah, no. And what I thought was kind of interesting too, whether the was the double sub in the 79th minute, where it was completely defensive, where you're bringing on in Ozzy and uh, Raitala, which it felt like. Uh, Adrian Heath was saying, let's not get embarrassed, guys. Like, we're bringing in the reinforcements. We're taking out Coleman, who is our weakest link, who gave up too two late. goals. Might be too late, but at least they're bringing him out. And then we're going to put in Ozzy. Right, exactly. And like, and the, the very interesting they part didn't is like, lose actually, like, I know nothing, the fourth goal was kind of on Ozzy a little bit, too. Because if you looked at the buildup of that goal, um, it started because there was a Seattle clearance that Boxer kind of came up on and headed and it was going towards um, uh, Metnair, who was in like a 50-50 battle with it, ended up losing the, like, the ball, but also went down injured and like was laying on the ground. But for some reason, Ozzy was still pushed up well into like the Seattle's defensive third. So when Metnair went down, there was nobody to cover on that right side for Minnesota. And Seattle just crossed it out to um, our left side um, to Roldan, who then just put in like an amazing cross to, uh, um, was it Matera? I think who had the um, fourth goal. Yeah. And like, but he was like, but like, and he was just completely wide open because like yeah, yeah, Ozzy was yeah. backtracking from being way, like three fourths of the way down the field. Metnair was still on the ground, and Boxel is just trying to cover the middle as best he can, and he's just wide open. Has like, you know, a free kind of volley towards it. Again, he, it was a beautiful goal. He, you know, put it off the volley, but still, he was just completely wide open on his own, which is just unfortunate. Like, yeah, it's too bad. Like, and it goes back to like what I know Rodrigo talked about a lot last year was Ozzy's uh, tendency to push up too far, and it. Even when he came on as, you know, either he's a defensive sub or he was just coming on for his, um, you know, Seattle curtain call because unless we meet him in the playoffs, this is the last time this year that he'll play in Seattle. So, um, but yeah, it just, it was unfortunate. I want to take a break here and um, and come back. I want to talk about a few different changes that we're going to, we're going to maybe see at center back and, and a few things for the RSL game. And then we've got some Twitter questions. <laughs> Last section of the 551 podcast. All right. So, RSL this Saturday, first home game. I will say I put out on the um on the Twitter um on the Blackheart Twitter um people should come out if they're definitely interested in coming out and feeling safe and feeling particularly vaxxed. Um, 
if you don't have tickets to the game, come watch. I've got tickets to give away to the next match so that we will give those away during uh, to, to the people who, who are, are, are ticketless there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, if you want to get there, we're going to cap it at 120 people, which is um, 60% of capacity. Um, and uh, you can come out, but, you know, come out early. Because there aren't too many bars in the area anymore. There's only one other bar to go to now. If if you can't, so we were talking bars. about that. The owners of the, yeah, the the former owners of Big V's were at the bar watching. They were not there to watch Minnesota United. They just happened to be at the bar. So I was chatting with. I them. don't know. They kind of looked like soccer fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about this RSL game. What do you see different? Uh, I don't see Brent Coleman starting. Yeah. I think I think it's pretty clear. Yuka Raitala was brought in. Um, uh, speaking of, we spend a lot of time trying to pronounce um, the uh, South American and, and Central American players' names right, and we we did look up Yuka Raitala, um, and uh, I, and I think we're fa- we're totally fine, totally Americanizing Yuka Raitala. Um, Yuka Raitala. <laughs> Yuka. Um, old Juka. <laughs> he's like them fries I love so much. I, I love getting Juka at, at, at Brasa. All right. Um, but mm, I, you know, Brasa. I, I, we had Kibanguchi, um, who's the, the draft pick, um, on the bench. I don't believe Callum Montgomery was on the bench. Those, that's the rest of the depth chart, right? We don't yep. know when Debassi's going to get back, but likely it is not for this week. Um, since he's not been training with the team at all. So Debasi would be the first guy there, then Coleman, and now it's Yukaraitala, who plays. Um, you know, he plays as the uh, as a left fullback, but also as a left center back. Often it's a left center back in a um, back three, like for Finland. But he's played eighteen percent of his games, according to Y Scout, have been as a left center back. Um, so he's not unfamiliar there. I definitely would love to see our team be a team that that brings more guys through. And I know I've said this before that I have no reason to believe Kibben Gucci is going to be like a star of the future, but I personally have decided that he's going to be. I've never heard anyone describe him as like a, I've never heard anything about him other than his name sounds good. Kibben Gucci, Kibben Gucci. Oh man, is he our new, God, who's the the kid who we would trade to the fire? Joe, well, there's Joe Greenspan. Wyatt, 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 he's our new Osberg. Yeah. We need. We'll we'll get Al, Alex Schieferdecker in here. Uh, he'll be like, "Well, I went back and watched. Um, he played for Wake Forest, and I don't. <laughs> who did he play for? I don't know. One of those teams. Well, I figure Alex would be a DJ Taylor fan. Oh yeah, actually, DJ Taylor is way more hipster because we keep forgetting he exists. <laughs> no offense, DJ Taylor, but you know he Alex wasn't drafted. DJ he was just Taylor like before it was cool. He was just like a a, a trade with. Um, he came where he came from. Uh, North Carolina FC. Yeah. So um, we'll get Alex on. He'll tell us his hipster pick. Um, that's our that's our, our list of who's going to play. I would love to see us be bringing in a guy like Kim Gucci and making him, bringing him up like that. We've done it. You know, Chase got his chance when injuries happened and when, um, you know, Calvo was terrible. Same thing with Dotson. I would love to see more of that stuff happen. Um, Do you think Dotson's going to play on the left again? Against uh, Real Defensive Hansen's 
Hansen. If, if Hansen's back, I think Hansen's going to play in the left wing. I mean, That's but what I, we saw in every lineup for, or what we didn't see in every lineup in preseason. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I also think, you know, McMaster has, has has proven that he can create offense himself on the left side. I think that's not a that's not a bad gamble to. I don't know if to, he's proven that. I mean, he he does no. look excited. Like we have not much has been proven yet by him, but well, but neither does Kibinguchi. I mean, do you really want to put no, Kibinguchi? No, I, I have I have legitimately said that I have no reason to believe Kibinguchi is going to be awesome, <laughs> but I. Want to? I'm, I'm magically willing it to be. I, I put it on my dream board on the wall. Kim and Gucci, um, defensive player of the year. It's on my wall. I read the secret. I know how this works. I mean, I think McMaster is definitely our um, this year's version of Raheem Edwards, where we've seen him for 20 minutes. Yes, and we're all convinced he is going to be the guy who can fill in and do well on the left and until he doesn't until he somehow um, leaves his socks on the floor and doesn't put them away yeah. and Adrian Heath benches Adrian him for the rest of the year. The smell of yeah, don't leave your socks, socks. up, guys. But it really, shake, shake my it head. really messes with his wine. Like it messes with the flavor of his, his wine. His Pinot Grigio. Um, <laughs> So, so we expect. Uh, let's see. The rest of the lineup is going to be look the same, except for Yukura Itala at center back, and then we we think Nico Hansen if he's fit. Um, do you think that um, that we go with the the Robin Lud false nine? I hope not. I I don't think so. I think I think I think we'll put Lud on the right, and I think we'll try one of the attackers up top. Yeah, I, I would actually like to see because, like, against Seattle, uh, Adrian Heath went with putting his best 11 players on the field, regardless of position. And we talked about in our season preview how we actually kind of, if everyone's healthy, which right now they're not, especially on the left, but I would much prefer to see them trying to do the whole putting the best player at the position they play on the field as opposed to the best overall 11 on the field. So, it's a big ask. I don't actually see it happening, though. Well, let me move to some Twitter questions here, then. Um, regarding the Super League news, Ben Krauskagny says, who would you put in your Twin Cities Supper League? Lots of top-notch food out there. So, But I, here's, here's what I'm going to, to, okay. to try to make this. This is not just the best restaurants in the Twin Cities. This is who is going to be in the Super Mega Deluxe regardless of their um, quality. Oh, that's Kincaid's. Where's Kincaid's, Kincaid's is going in there. The downtown St. Paul, like they always, yeah. Okay. Definitely never been there. Or Meritage. Oh. Mm. I mean, they're oh, always sure. okay, but yeah. everything else is meh. I mean, there's always that, that um, group of three restaurants over in Loring Park that every year or something else. It's like the cage, <laughs> the cage and kitten. And now it's <laughs> the liar pants and like, right. Oh, it's the, yeah. Like I'm um, Fred. What was you, it? You Eddie, what? Free, Fred and Eddie's or something like that. And it was like a venue kind of, but it was not, it was very, Oh yeah. They had like Nick the and back Eddie's. room Nick and area. Eddie's. They had like, a, yeah. And it had a single light bulb that hung. And I remember watching, I think it was zoo animal play there. And um, Holly Hansen, the head of zoo animal, just like, Swung her guitar, and she's not a tall person. And just slammed the light, and it just went anyway. But it went all the place. And then you have Cafe Their Cot, who is permanently there, 
even though the only thing they have good is French fries and Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I've never been there. Cool. That uh, that all sounds like the Supper League. Anyone else have a nomination? <laughs> uh, the best steakhouse on Victoria and University. Oh, the one oh, that has good quality. The one that has a picture of a cow serving up a steak, which is exactly. really fucked up. I mean, you know. That cow has a look in its fa- face like like this is the walking dead. It's like it's like one of those Kemp's cows, right? That's, that's what it looks like, you know, one of those animated Kemp cows. So. Yeah. 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 All right. Sunsafe Soccer says, how good will Coleman be in the USL one this year? Turbo is going to destroy him in forward yeah, Madison yeah. when he when he plays them. Yeah, yep. Turbo destroys all. That's, that's what Turbo is yeah. going to do to everybody that's going to the USL one this year. <laughs> Jay Straub, I can't says, wait till it happens. When is it early? Too early for Heath out? Did Heath mismanage the Seattle game? Was it a mistake to sell Toy? Do I understand soccer? Um, let's briefly say Toy in the third minute for Montreal um, in their four two whooping of Toronto. Toy had a fantastic goal. He just curled it around the goalkeeper to the far post. It was superb. Like the mirrored version of the uh, the LAFC goal that he had a couple years ago. I will say, uh, I don't think it was a mistake to sell Toy. We got great money for a guy who scored eight goals for us, seven goals, Maybe. not that many. He had, a, he had a good month, and uh, I, I wish him well. You know, I, I, I was very excited when he scored, but... Um, but no, if, if someone gives you... Same thing with Christian Ramirez. I think if you look back, um, you know, it's good money. You can't pass that up for, for a player like that um, unless unless it's, you know, we're not taking that for Babylon. But um, what about the Heath stuff? Do Was he at fault for Seattle? Do, are you ready to, to get on that train yet? I don't know what he could have done differently because we didn't really have... I mean, who are you going to bring off the bench that can do anything different than what we did? You know, he brought in Juan Chope in the 60th-ish minute, which is about when which he is should, early for him. Yeah, which yeah. is when he should have come on. And, and he, yeah. after that, like, what are you going to do? Like, the only thing you could have done differently is not started Dotson on the left. And then as the game progressed, you could see where you actually needed to put Dotson to put fresh legs in and have him come on in the super sub role instead. But Dotson was not, to, Dotson is not a player who's running out of energy, right? No, I exactly. Mean, right. right. I, like, I, I, I think, mean, I look at the game and I, I think um, it definitely was not a four nil game. That was not reflective. Uh, I think we were pretty good. It's unfortunate to lose a game like that, but we were unlucky as well. You know, well, it's like, it, so. it's like, the, it's like the first goal. Again, there's not much you can do about that. The, the The next two goals were direct results of one, yeah, some positioning that allowed the balls to get in spaces, but then were direct results of individual errors by Brent Coleman. And there's not much you can do about that. And that's a, it's just, that's just how it. You can be in a place where your top four Candidates for center back are not all thirty and, and thirty plus. Right, right. That, that's but, a thing where where I think you could be. But yeah, I think, and that's a, that's to, a much bigger discussion than than whether or not we're ready for Heath out look, yet. My answer the, is the thing is the, no. The thing is is that sure we we played you know as good as we could for more than a half, but you also got to give Seattle credit on the way that their adjustments were made. Right, they understood that. We were pushing up 
a lot. And so if we were able, if they are able to quickly switch the ball from one end to the other, they're just going to turn us around and then people can make runs to, to get into that space. That is a tactical thing yeah. and that is a coaching thing. And that's, right? that's the, what we talked about of not learning the lessons because we've seen that happen right. lots of times. And, and so that's, that's, that's one thing that you have to give them credit. They were able to do that. I think they're homegrown um, and their formation were, were able to do a decent job at maintaining um, the efficiency of, of Reynoso where it is. I mean, he still had a good game, but he wasn't as brilliant as we've seen him in, in, in previous games. And it's because you had two, two defenders or two midfielders, you know, pretty much assigned to, to take, make sure that he is, he, he has someone on him at every time. And we talked about how often he got fouled and, and, and we've talked on this podcast. I, I was like, how that's going to be uh, a reoccurring thing throughout this whole season. So, what do we plan for to to rest them? Do you rest them against RSL? Do you do do you do you think you know? Not saying that RSL is a is a is a top team, but you also you have more freedom and to be able not to do the, not to do the things you did against Seattle, right? Um, and I think that's that's one of the things that you need to need to do is like he got out coached in the adjustments, right? Our adjustments don't don't put don't play well with each other yet. They haven't got enough training to be able to do that. The Seattle team only had like literally two offseason changes, right? And if you even think about Jordan Morris being a change, you can put that as three, right? And everyone else has already been in the system and understands what they're playing with. And just cr- how crazy is it going to be when when they get Nico back? That's and, and that's, that's just and the that's way a and that's a that's a good point, Rodrigo. That's a testament to to Schmetzer and his team, even with experimenting with a three five two, everybody still knows what they're going to do. Well, and also they're just smart about it. Like if you're going to run at defenders, are you going to run against Michael Boxel and Roman Metinier? Are you going to run against Chase Gasper and Brent Coleman? And they ran against the latter, which was smart because that's what you should do. And it worked out well for them because like in the first half, when they tried to run, against Metnair and Boxel, it did not work. Like they got shut down. And they chose the weaker of our defense side of our defense to run at. And it worked out really well for them. And kudos to them for being smart enough to see that. I mean that's that's the thing too is that, you know, like we're we're already answering Christian's question anyways, but in a sense, but it's like it it, it is. It's like they was they managed the game well. They 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 took our pressure and then decided what they were going to do. Did we have uh, a horrible game? No, not really. We did lose to the to the to the runner up of the MLS Cup from last year. This team hasn't changed that much. So, like, are there things that we can do and fix them? I think a lot of it, for me personally, was just the discipline formation that that was not as crisp, and that goes for everybody who is playing. And I'm hoping that's something that they are going to work for, and we'll see a different. Um, a different uh, discipline when it comes to to RSL, and we'll see how that works out for us. Yeah. All right, let's call it a day. We're going to have another game, but this time we could see live soccer in person. Are all four of us going? We're all, we've all got tickets. Yeah. Yeah. The, I'll be there. The special ones. Yeah. I don't. Um, I don't know yet. I have to call people and figure it out because it's a day before my birthday, so. Uh, Rodrigo is saying he's going with you, Wes. 
I did already promise mine to someone, but I could I could make an exception. All right, comrades, <laughs> let's um let's all uh, let's all go. Um, thanks, everyone. We hope to see you out. We hope you take care this week and uh, take care of one another. <laughs> <laughs>